so much is being shifted and changed hormonally and psychically and in your emotional world and in your relational world. And there's more to it than simply learning a bunch of facts and figures. Mm -hmm. Story has a way of getting in there. It allows you to feel and experience and think about things in a way that you might actually remember. Hello. Hello. Welcome to At Home. This is a place where we explore all the nooks and crannies of what makes us feel at home. The good, the meh, and the messy. We've been together over 10 years and we still have a lot to learn about each other. (laughs) I've been with myself for a long time and I still haven't figured myself out. It's a process. Well, there will be heated debates. Yeah, because Drew has very strong opinions Mm -hmm. about everything, like leaving the toilet lit up. Well, hey, we'll just bring in experts to help us solve those. What about you, though, leaving hair dolls in the shower? Ew. Uh, Those are gifts. (laughs) Yeah, that no one wants. This is all a part of our life at home. Hello. Happy International Women's Day. It's a great day. Every day is International Women's Day to me. Yes, it is. I mean, we should celebrate all of these things every day. But today, especially, we celebrate the social, economical, cultural, and political achievements of women. Yes. I was actually thinking about this this morning, and there are more women in my life than men who have been an inspiration to me, Um, whether it's teachers um, from over the years or whether it's family or even the women at our companies that run the different departments. I think there are so many amazing women in my life. So thank you to all of you for being a huge inspiration to me. Mm -hmm. A gazillion percent. You could not do what you do without them. No, absolutely (laughs) not. I would not do it anywhere near as well either uh, without them. But I, I just think it would be amazing to see a world that is gender equal and free of any sort of bias or stereotypes or discrimination. Mm -hmm. That would be amazing. Yes, that's the theme this year with International Women's Day and month. It's all about breaking the bias. You you gotta say it in like a really... It's all about breaking the bias. But yeah, I mean, we all have a lot to work on and Mm -hmm. whether it's deliberate or unconscious biases. Yeah, but this is the day for us to reflect. Yep, and we can do so by raising awareness, looking at our own biases, 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 and you and I have so many conversations about it. Sometimes they turn into arguments, um, but I I do appreciate that we have these conversations and yeah. we need to have more of them. Well, we also had, I mean, on this exact topic as well, we, we do our Spark series, we call it At Work, and we bring in great speakers to come and talk to our team and um, empowering women and actually recognizing uh, their abilities and creativity and everything that that women do for us uh, and with us, I think is an important thing. So let's continue to bring that visibility. Speaking of celebrating women, our guest today is an amazing person who we are so lucky to be working with in our birth class. Yes, and this was our doula Molly actually recommended her. Britta Bushnell is a childbirth and relationship specialist, and she's the author of Transformed by Birth. And she also has a podcast, Transformed with Britta Bushnell. Be sure to check that out because there are a lot of really interesting and deep conversations. I'm not going to say too much because we'll talk about it in our actual conversation, but I just want to say, you know, Britta's been at this for over 20 years. She's extremely good at what she does, but who would have thought that mythology would be the basis of what really connected us for our child? 
I, I did not. <laughs> I love it. She is a veteran childbirth educator and celebrated speaker. I think it's pretty cool, though, that her doctorate is in mythology and psychology. It's a pretty interesting combination. And also, working with you Britta... You punched me in the butt. I didn't He's mean punch in the butt. Yeah, talking I got so excited. <laughs> My Italian hand talking. But uh, it's, it's actually really great because this isn't just for us and our soon-to-be child. This has actually been really great for our relationship in general. Yeah, and that's what we love about working with her. She doesn't just talk about the technical aspects of birth. She talks about the connection piece, which is the biggest thing. And she was also a birthday clown. Like me. So we bonded over <laughs> clowning. <laughs> this is Britta Bushnell. Okay, if ADT wasn't professional enough, now ADT installs Google Nest products with their smart home security systems because ADT believes the smarter the home, the safer the security. I mean, what are they going to do next? They're, they're going to start a country singing career. I would listen to a country band named ADT. Also, I like to know what's happening at our front door from virtually anywhere with my Google Nest doorbell. Just saying. Your Google Nest doorbell? I said our. He said my. Everybody check that. Yeah. All right. Well, I like to control my ADT smart devices, like my lights, my locks. <laughs> my security system with Google Nest speakers and displays. And I like to say, hey, Google, to get started. Listen, I said ours. I'm all about ours, not mine. <laughs> Help protect what matters most with all this, plus 24-7 professional monitoring from ADT and a little help from Google. Visit ADT.com to see how ADT can help make your home smarter and safer. Maybe just tell everybody a little bit about yourself and how you got to what you do, and then we'll dive in a little bit more about our time together. Great. Happy to. Well, I'll do the short version, which is I was a prenatal yoga instructor that became a prenatal yoga instructor from being a yoga teacher, but then I was pregnant. And my boss was like, you're pregnant, you teach yoga, you should teach pregnant people. And so I did and quickly realized that I wanted to do something more than help people through the physical or the spiritual emotional part through the yoga postures. And that's when I went on a, on a journey to become a childbirth educator. And that process then led me to get a PhD in mythology and psychology, which sounds like a completely backwards way of doing things, but it's how I did it. And that led me to deepen my exploration about childbirth through a mythic and psychological lens that led to the writing of my book, Transformed by Birth. And I've been basically teaching new parents like yourself or those who are expecting for over 20 years in helping them ready their lives, their relationship for the transformative experience of becoming parents. And that whole part about mythology being a part of this journey at all is the piece that I never thought we needed Mm -hmm. or I would never put the two together. Yeah, it's kind of out there. Yeah, but it, it's, let's it, just say it like it is. <laughs> <laughs> but it's the reason we were so intrigued and drawn to how you teach because of course there there are so many resources out there. We can google anything about about birth, about parenthood. However, for for me, 
there was a big part missing in, um, I guess, connecting to this experience, not knowing if I was connecting enough or navigating this whole emotional part of this physical well, experience. And with that too, like there's one thing to read. I mean, there, there are a ton of books out there and we have run a ton of, uh, read a ton of books, but then when we grabbed your book, we started to actually feel what we're talking about a bit more, mm-hmm. if that makes sense to you. And so I think that's one thing to me that was, we can have all the education we want, but there's a different um, aspect to actually connecting more emotionally with this journey and where we're going. And we find that we found that with you. Oh, I'm, I, that is incredibly gratifying to hear. Thank you for telling me that. And it is exactly why I teach the way that I teach is understanding that as you are heading into this very transformative in both the experience of going through birth, but also what's on the other side of that, that so many of us forget about, which is called new parenthood. There's this new world, new life that happens when, and not just the new life of your newborn, but the new life that the two of you will be having. Mm -hmm. And so much is being shifted and changed hormonally and psychically and in your emotional world and in your relational world. And there's more to it than simply learning a bunch of facts and figures. Mm -hmm. Story has a way of getting in there and helping you try something on. Mm -hmm. It allows you to feel and experience and think about things in a way that you might actually remember when Mm. you're in labor or when you're in the throes of new parenthood, where in the 20 plus years I've taught classes, nobody has come to me after I've taught and said, wow, it was so helpful that you taught me about dilation. (laughs) (laughs) Like that just doesn't happen. But people will come to me and say, oh, I was so thinking about Artemis and oh, the Apollo or the labyrinth or the various different symbols and visuals that I use in the way that I teach. Those are the things people come back to me and say, okay, yeah. that was helpful. Talking about birth makes my nipples uh, tingly and itchy right now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Because for you, it's real now. Mm-hmm. We're not talking about a hypothetical there is likely a physical, emotional response that is coming up that says, wow, okay, yeah, that big transformation that Britta's talking about, yeah, that's going to be ours. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, it's, mm-hmm. and it comes, yeah, you feel it. And mm-hmm. your body responds and your emotional response matters. It's not something mm-hmm. that you just do in your head. So in our sessions so far, you talk a lot about the overculture that drives or influences so much of how we feel and our inner voices and how we interact with ourselves and one another. Um, can you just dive right into that? Because I mean, yes. every day I feel like I'm I'm struggling with that. Mm-hmm. Yes. Well, I mean, there's so the overculture. The way I, I borrow the term overculture from one of my teachers, Clarissa Pinkola Estes, and so I like to give credit where where credit is due. She's the woman who wrote "Women Who Run with the Wolves." She's a f- master storyteller, mm-hmm. and she talks about the overculture as not like when we mention the word culture. That's kind of like. We're, we're meaning everything. But that misses something because there's so many different microcultures mm-hmm. and it's sort of disrespectful to say that there's just one culture, but there is one overculture. There is one energy that kind of presses down and is a giant collective should that we operate through. 
And in looking at birth and preparation for birth and new parenthood through kind of a mythological lens, I looked at it as what are the overculture messages or what are those stories that we're living, that we're living through and existing through that tell us how we're supposed to do birth or how we're supposed to do new parenthood. And like a very strong one, that's the first one I talk about in my book, is the desire for control and the need for certainty. So mm-hmm. the the idea that we want to control everything. I mean, if you, I, I'm I'm getting a sense from the little <laughs> bit that I know the two of you is you have a very busy to do list, mm-hmm. right? You have an active calendar where everything gets put on there, and and we organize and orient our world in a way that gives us a perception of control, mm-hmm. which works great. Until you have a baby. Until <laughs> you become a parent or face a, a new experience like giving birth that is very much dictated by a, a human body that is a natural element, not something that is well-structured or ordered mm-hmm. or can be put in categories. And yet, birth, we try so hard to put it into controllable certain pockets, even Mm -hmm. like a due date, the due date. Yeah. Okay. Everybody's got a due date. Yeah. But how many babies actually pay attention to their due date? So we should call it a do range. <laughs> oh, you've been listening. You've been yeah. paying attention. Look I at have. You. See, I pick up one or two stories or things. Yeah. But that's what I think is so funny Like with, with what you're saying there. It's exactly... So I am somebody that loves to schedule. I love to structure. I love to do a lot. And I love to sneak every open minute that I have. I slip 10 things in, in there. And then I have all these ideas and ideals of how I would like to raise, you know, our child. And... You know, Linda laughs at me. <laughs> <laughs> which is which is the best part about doing about going through this process of learning with you is seeing how Drew has been so open to I guess this approach. Yeah, because I think for me, I'm not unrealistic. That I, it's not like I think like, "Hello, newborn child, you will sleep Fit at this time, you will eat at this time," <laughs> and all these things. I know that's not going to happen, but I have things that I would love to happen if there's a way we can, you know, work but, that but in. But even at the very beginning, you you know, acknowledge something that we didn't realize that um, this pregnancy in itself from the very beginning posed challenges to our assumptions that we would easily Mm -hmm. get pregnant. Yeah, Um, Yeah. And that in itself, you know, has created some sort of resiliency or at least awareness that this entire journey is going to be filled with uncertainty. Yeah. yeah. There's, there's, so, there's so many things. And that journey that you were on to get to this point is, is an entry point to the awareness of, oh, oh, we're not in control mm-hmm. of all mm-hmm. things. That really control is in fact an illusion. We, yeah. we put controlling elements in place in our lives to try and take care of some of the anxiety of the fact that we realize we're really not in control. Mm-hmm. Did we interrupt your explaining about the overculture? No, I think we, I mean, it's more or less those shoulds. I mean, there's lots mm-hmm. of ways we could talk about it. I identified kind of eight in 
the ones that I see that influence birth. And I can mm-hmm. run through those really fast if you sure. want. Yeah, sure. So the first one I said is the desire for control and the need for certainty. The second one is the veneration of information and technology, which is... Big word. You know, the idea that information can save us and take care of everything, that technology is, you know, our new gods. And then reverence for ordered culture over wild nature, which is where I like to really talk about Artemis and Apollo that you might remember, and we'll get into that perhaps Mm -hmm. at some point. The vilification of pain, the idea that all pain should be avoided, right? That it's bad. The glorification of independence. Ooh, this is a big one for us in the U.S. Mm-hmm. Right? The the idea that if you could do it alone, you should, right? Mm-hmm. Rather than the idea that being in partnership, whether it's with each other or receiving help from outside, we tend to have a, I'm going to do it myself, pull myself up by my bootstraps and do it. And it's like, well, what happens if we actually learn to receive help? Mm-hmm. and support, especially new parenthood. Let me tell you, it's super important. Hmm. The adherence to innocence, the idea that, oh, don't tell me anything might be hard. Like it's it's going to be perfect and we're going to head into new parenthood and our child will sleep and yeah. all the things that kind of, we want to hold the illusion that, or the, the hope of innocence that it'll all be ideal. Blissful ignorance. Than, Blissful Mm -hmm. ignorance, a beautiful Mm -hmm. way of putting it, yes. Mm -hmm. Uh, The denial of death. Now, this is a tricky one to talk about around birth, but I'm also talking about the idea that in the process of becoming a parent, a part of you does die. So that a new identity as a parent can be born. Mm-hmm. We've been we've been facing identity death a lot in the last couple of years. Mm-hmm. Also in being faced with actual real death during the pandemic as well. Mm-hmm. So there's lots of different things. And then the last one that I address is the quest for perfection and exceptionalism. The mm-hmm. idea that I have the right way. Mm-hmm. Here, I wrote a book about birth, and I'm part of what I'm saying in the book is I don't have the right way to birth. Mm-hmm. The idea of exceptionalism is one that also is very strong in the overculture. You know, the idea that there's a right way to give birth, there's a right way to parent, those kinds of things, which really end up working against us very yeah. strongly. Yeah, and I, and I think that's why the concept of death of any identity is hard to deal with because that identity is so tied to all of those shoulds. Like, I, I shouldn't want to just stay at home and be with my kid because that means I'm, I'm giving up, you know, quote unquote, ambition right. to, to do more or to, to produce or create or make money. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I, I wanted to go back to Artemis and Apollo because I, I feel like that is uh, mm-hmm. a story that, that has stuck with me. Absolutely. I just love these two. <laughs> so just to, to kind of enter in and kind of explain a little bit about why it seems, I mean, it seems kind of nutty to talk about two twin Greek gods when we're talking about childbirth, but there's a method to this. And it is in understanding and seeing ourselves through an archetype and an image that we can kind of hold and and imagine in our mind. And so, also our, our audiences are used to talking about nutty twins. So that's totally fine. <laughs> so. Oh, 
Okay, well played. (laughs) (laughs) So Artemis and Apollo are twin gods. And Artemis is associated with childbirth. And many believe that she's associated with childbirth because she was the first twin born of the two. I don't know. Were you first or second? Do we... I was a surprise. Yeah. So, you know, I was second. Yeah. My mom literally didn't know I was there. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Okay. A surprise (laughs) twin, no less. All right. So, so uh, Artemis is born and the first thing she does is she acts as midwife to the birth of her twin brother, Apollo. And so people are like, ah, of course she's associated with childbirth. She was a midwife within moments of being born. But Artemis is also the goddess of the wilderness. She's sometimes referred to as the wilderness. She represents all those things outside the bounds of civilization. Now, her brother, Apollo, represents culture. He's the god of poetry and of music, things that we like to think separate us from the animal kingdom, You know, poetry is like a high form of using language. And so Apollo represents all of those things. He's a sun god. He likes things visible and well-expressed. Law and order, part of his domain. He's got uh, his son is the god of medicine. So he's associated with medicine, higher learning, those kinds of things, where his twin Artemis lives in the wilderness with the animals. She is close to and almost considered of the earth. She doesn't use language the same way that Apollo does. She's closer to the grunts and howls and moans of the animal kingdom. She's also a moon goddess. She likes darkness. She likes that which exists more in a mysterious realm than in a well-lit room of clarity. She's so Linda. (laughs) (laughs) Well, and when we're talking about these two, it can be helpful to understand that they're sort of meant to be seen as part of of a collective, of a pair. Mm -hmm. Birth, now when I'm going to bring it back around to birth, so we're just not lost out in Greek (laughs) mythology land, but... When we're talking about birth, the physiology, the physiological process of giving birth is highly Artemisian. It likes darkness. The experience in the body tends to be one that is more animalistic than in a linear language-based experience in the mind. It's, you know, Birthing people tend to howl or moan and need to move, and they may not be able to talk or communicate in a way that is culturally accepted as polite. Mm. Often what is asked for in labor is not something you would want to do at the grocery store, <laughs> mm-hmm. right? I mean, there's there's a lot of animalistic elements. There might be liquid, mucus, feces coming out from your nether regions, as well as a baby, hopefully down the road, right? But as mm. even as the labor process is going, that can feel very animalistic. And yet our culture, the overculture is highly Apollonian. 
It likes things ordered and clear and definable and predictable and polite. So where we bump up against things in labor is when we are in our overculture energy of being polite, Apollonian, brightly lit, expressive people who mm-hmm. share everything with what labor asks of us and new parents parenthood asks of us, which is to be more private, more animalistic, more in and of the earth. And those bump up against each other. And we, you know, Linda, when we've spoken, you've talked about how you're already feeling so much of the pull into that Artemisian side of the Mm -hmm. animal. Mm -hmm. And as you bump up against the part of you that's like, wait, wait, do I produce this or, or do that of that Apollonian part while feeling the pull to the Artemisian can create a place of tension. Mm-hmm. 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 Yeah. Yeah. Because it, it does makes a lot like, of sense. It mm-hmm. does feel like you have to choose one or the other or, um, yeah, I guess it, it just feels like a place of limbo. Yeah. Right well, now. it's not that you have to choose one or the other necessarily, but to give each space and understanding for what's mm-hmm. going on. Mm-hmm. Right. That the body is pulling you into the Artemisian domain and your the part of you that has been used to being an active and productive part of society that is Apollonian is saying, wait a minute, where are you going? Mm. Right. And each has a has a role and they aren't it isn't helpful to necessarily make one bad or one good or good bad have judgment, but to mm-hmm. understand what's going on and to have mm. respect for the part of your body's makeup that is saying, hey, Linda, come here. We're going to go to the wilderness, friend. That's where that's where that birth experience happens. Because even, even before labor, your body is becoming, is, is begging for more attention mm-hmm. than it asks for when you're existing in the Apollonian world without this strong connection to the Artemisian that pregnancy pulls you into. ADT now professionally installs Google Nest products with their smart home security systems because ADT believes the smarter the home, the safer the security. Help protect what matters most with 24-7 professional monitoring from ADT and a little help from Google. You said that very professionally. I try. (laughs) Visit ADT.com to see how ADT can help you make your home smarter and safer. Linda has said to me, how she just can't get rid of that mindset that she just feels like she's being lazy and not doing enough. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, for me, it's, it's, I've had periods during this pregnancy where it's like, I'm embracing it all and I, I'm really enjoying being pregnant. And then there's that other voice that's like, oh no, but like what, what comes after the birth? You know, like it, like, do I do this full time or do I, like, yes, of course we're going to be full-time parents, but like, yeah, there's always that dialogue. These are great, huge questions because we have such a Apollonian idea of climbing up. Like when we talk about climbing the corporate ladder or achieving, it's a direction that goes up, 
right? It's very sky-based. It's very Apollonian. Artemis's realm is about deepening and about going in and down. Mm-hmm. And it is a restructuring. So, of course, Linda's bumping up against this. And we can't just say, Linda, think about it differently. Because that may not do it because it's actually not just what Linda or Drew are feeling about this. It's about the whole message that we are receiving over and over again in the stew of the culture that we live within, what society is telling us. And so for me, it's helpful to think about, ah, okay, my body, my my Artemisian wild side, my untamed side, which is often the part of Artemis that is, or the word that is associated a lot with Artemis is being untamed. Mm-hmm. Whereas Apollo is polite society. It's like, I'm being pulled to be untamed. And mm-hmm. yet I do exist within an Apollonian culture. Mm-hmm. So can we use some of this untamed to break down some of the structures that keep us locked in this cycle that that makes us feel sometimes like we're not doing enough? Yes, of course. Mm. And there are times when, like when you're in it, Linda, to be, oh, okay, can't, does it help to name it? Does it help to be in a place of, ah, okay, that's the Apollonian overculture mm-hmm. coming in through my own understanding, right? Mm-hmm. What you have ingested over a lifetime already, the messages, and be able to know, oh, and this is the Artemisian side asking me, for something different. Yeah, and I definitely feel the pull inward and like a deepening growth mm-hmm. versus like an outward extroverted growth. Um, but yeah, there is always that dialogue. And I think in the context of our relationship, the Artemis and Apollo relationship and partnership, I guess is exemplified so beautifully when you talk about like the banks and the river. In helping somebody shift into letting go into that Artemisian space. One of the things that can sometimes be helpful is for a a partner or for a professional to kind of hold space for that wildness. Mm. And one of the metaphors that I use for that is the metaphor of a river, where the water part is the laboring person, the birthing person, the brand new lactating parent, you know, dropping into that changing, shifting, moving energy of water. Mm. Like if you ever see a wild river, you can see places in a wild, wild river, meaning, you know, not dammed, not, you know, any of that. It's just out there in the wild. That there are places in the wild river that will go over rapids and feel intense. There are also places where it will look like it's calm on the surface, but underneath it's going fast and the current might be even dangerous. Mm -hmm. There might also be places where it's just kind of cotton and eddy, kind of not really going anywhere. That energy is often the energy, the changing energy, because that's one of the key words is it's often changing. Linda, do you feel like it changes on the regular? Oh yeah, every Mm -hmm. day. (laughs) 
like, it's like, wait a minute, where's the consistency? Yeah. Well, the consistency isn't in the water because <laughs> one of water's main elements is the change, mm. right? So it's changing. So what does someone who is un- maybe uncomfortable or unfamiliar with that changeability, what do they need? They need good banks, somebody or something to help contain, respond, and hold that shifting, changing energy. So that's banks. And that's, you know, it's not LA riverbanks. You know, if you go down <laughs> to the LA riverbanks, it's made of concrete, right? <laughs> yeah. Which is saying, river, you go this way. This yeah. is where you're going. But a wild river, the banks hold the river and the river carves the banks. Mm. There is a symbiotic relationship that's going on, a responsive energy. And so that can be, so in, in this dynamic, it's like, what ways can Drew help contain, hold, support you, Linda, while you're in a place where the energy is shifting and changing, right? Mm-hmm. Where he can be responsive to that that allows you to drop more into the, all right, yeah, let me just, let me just let it go. (laughs) We talked about this in (laughs) regard to, you know, practicing for labor, Mm -hmm. right? Whereas rather than Linda being like, okay, all the, all the labor related things is in my domain and I've got to make sure I handle this. That forces you, Linda, into a place of being the banks for the watery experience of pregnancy. Mm-hmm. And so when Drew can step up and go, okay, you know what? Let's let's practice some pain coping together this week. I'll pick a date, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And then let you just go into the place of, all right, what's the changeability I'm feeling now? And you can feel him holding some of the container for this experience of, mm-hmm. of pregnancy. Mm-hmm. You know, the funny thing, when, when you had talked with us about that before, more and more over this whole period and as Linda became pregnant and we're working through this, I start to understand more how what I thought was being very supportive was not being very supportive. It was being very dictative. And so and very that, rigid. And very rigid, yeah. yeah. And so that idea of being those those banks that can, that can help... Uh, guide but not force um, Linda's movement makes so much more sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. And, and it takes a practice from from both of us because because I am used to that rigidity because of our lifestyle and schedules. It is hard for me to to let go of that control and trust that you'll do it. Mm. <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. it is a dance. It is yeah. absolutely a relationship dance which is one of the reasons why the kinds of classes that I teach, I, I call them relationship-based because there is a dance in the relationship. Now, does it work for every relationship all the time for one person to be the banks and one person to be the river? No, right? Mm-hmm. That's not how we operate. But for something where we're looking for a strong amount of polarity or a lot of invitation to go deeply into a physical experience, and emotional, spiritual, all of those kinds of experiences like becoming a parent and going through labor is, Mm -hmm. polarity is helpful, Mm. right? To allow and invite Linda to be like, go be a river, go just let her rip and know 
that she's got you, Drew, to help respond. And that the word mm-hmm. that I like best in talking about the banks is being responsive rather than that rigid. It's being so tuned in to your beloved that you're helping to hold, contain, and respond to the needs and the the expression. Mm-hmm. Like in labor, the way that that looks is if, if the laboring parent needs to move and moan and writhe, the partner isn't like, okay, hold still. Yeah, right. right that right. would be LA Riverbanks. Okay, mm-hmm. hold still. I'm right here. I'm going to hold mm-hmm. you firmly. It's like, yeah. no, you got to adjust mm-hmm. your body and help move with that movement. Mm-hmm. And giving the impression, I'm here, I'm with you, and you go, do what you need to do, Yeah, right? Whatever it is, I'm good with it. See, the one aspect of this I don't like is that Linda already tries to lead when we dance. I knew you were thinking, of, and, I was thinking about the same thing. <laughs> and this is basically giving her permission to do that more. But uh, in other aspects, like birth, it's perfect, yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, and the, the thing there is, Speaking back to what Linda just said is that there's actually a dance for both of you of mm-hmm. learning how to how to navigate this in this particular way. Right. And in labor, yeah. Who's who's gonna get to decide the movements and, and what's happening? <laughs> Linda. Yeah. And sometimes it can also get exhausting to feel like all of it is is on you. Mm-hmm. Right, Linda? And so it mm-hmm. can sometimes it can be like I need to just drop into your support, Drew, and okay, now what now what should we try? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now what should we try? What is there a different position we tr- should try right. without having to put that into words? Mm-hmm. Because in that highly Artemisian place, it can be difficult to access the words we're looking for. During pregnancy and during birth, there can be a lot of focus on the baby that's coming. And there can be a lot of lack of focus on the two people going through it. And also understanding, you know, I, I think sometimes maybe a lot of people are thinking, what, what is the mom going through who's about to have the birth? But what is the partner going through that's with them? And the, I, I can't remember how you were wording it, but there was something that really stuck with me earlier that, that was about that think, consideration of each other. But how do you find is a really healthy way to support each other to make sure that both voices are being heard and both people are feeling, I don't know, or respected? Part the, yeah, or part, part, or part of the experience. I think it's incredibly important to remember that both of you are having an experience. It won't be the same experience, even if it's the same birth. It won't be the same experience. And Drew, your experience matters. Linda's, of course, matters. You know, we put so much focus on the experience of the birthing parent, you know, the one who is is releasing a child from their body. And I think that it, it matters to say, you're new at this. So let's give respect to your process of learning, your positive intention to show up with your whole heart and your presence and not know exactly how to do it and that that's okay. So I don't know if that's exactly what you were asking for, but it, it, yeah, that's where no, I went. 
Yeah, no, I, I appreciate it. I mean, I, I didn't even know exactly what I was trying to say, but it, that makes sense. It's just sort of respecting the journey for both people in the room. And the the big thing for me is our team that we've built. You, Molly, Dr. Scott, Dr. Chin, uh, Dr. B, like everybody that has helped us understand the journey more, emotionally connect to the journey more, with each other connect more. And that's why instead of sort of feeling like a scared parent coming into this for the first time, I actually feel excited. I feel really excited. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm I'm super excited and I'm I'm not nervous yet. A lot of people are asking like, are you scared? Are you nervous? I'm not yet. I mean, I, I feel a lot of uncertainty and I think we. I asked you the last time, like, how how do you prep for pain that you've never felt before? Um, and and I think you also talk a lot about um, utilizing the power of fear um, yeah. and harnessing. Yeah, I'm it. not. I'm not personally afraid of fear. I think fear has value, mm-hmm. and it's it's okay to head into something that is life changing with. Some like, I don't know what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. Like, is it there's a way in which putting fear, making fear a problem itself can can end up working against us. Instead, mm-hmm. if we were like, oh, yeah, okay, I'm feeling I'm I'm feeling some anxiety. Okay, what's that anxiety asking you to take care of? Mm-hmm. What's it asking you to tend to? Mm-hmm. And okay you're heading into a totally life-changing experience. So in those moments of fear or uncertainty, what do you need to know or do to keep going? To me, that's a much more interesting question than how do I remove the fear? Mm-hmm. 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 You know, wrapping up everything that we've talked about so far, what is one solid piece of advice that you could give to us and any other soon-to-be parents about this process? Mm-hmm to practice being present with one another as much as you can through the process and and expanding your capacity to sit in discomfort, uncertainty, wonder, because those being present, okay, I made it too, but being (laughs) present and expanding your capacity to sit in those uncomfortable or uncertain moments will be wildly helpful in birth and postpartum Mm -hmm. and relationship. Oh yeah. No, actually, I, I actually feel the more we've been doing sessions with you, the less we've been arguing. <laughs> so I think there's, there's, a, there's a level of communication that is deeper than what we had before. So. Or, or the things that we argue about are, are deeper right, and, and more valuable. Yeah. And, and mm-hmm. it doesn't get into an argument as much as it gets into a, not even a debate, just, just a good conversation yeah. about it. Yeah. Oh, well, we, I love hearing that because really relationship is, it definitely touches some edges when you head into this new place called parenthood and hoping that your relationship just is always happy and always good and always light just doesn't really work. No. Mm-hmm. And in new parenthood to be able to go, oh, I'm feeling a little bit of discomfort here. Okay, how do I hold space for my own discomfort? Mm-hmm. How do I hold space for the fact that our relationship is having a bump? Mm-hmm. That That is helpful. It also helps when a baby is going, Mah! 
and asking for things in a language we don't yet understand. Mm-hmm. How do we hold space for that discomfort of not knowing how to respond exactly mm-hmm. to yeah. the baby? Oh, things to look forward to. <laughs> well, we, we like to wrap up our conversations with a speed round if you're ready for some Ooh. hard-hitting questions. Okay. Really, really tough. All right. All what, they're really hard? Okay. Yeah. Really hard. <laughs> what meal makes you feel at home and who cooked it? <laughs> well, I had macaroni and cheese <gasps> for lunch the day I got married. So I ha- think I have to say macaroni and cheese with a lot of red chili flakes. Ooh. Um, that's it. Yum. And who cooked it? Not my mom. She's she's a, a very vigilant uh vegan so she wouldn't make that for me but (laughs) (laughs) I'll have to send you a vegan mac and cheese recipe yeah well I I do like vegan mac and cheese too yeah all right what smell reminds you of home Mm. okay uh rotting guava rotting guava (laughs) what (laughs) I spent my adolescent years in Hawaii and I was a cross-country runner and so I would run through rainforests and hills and we did our cross-country camp at Volcano National Park each summer. And there's something about the smell that is kind of a mixture of ginger flower and rotting guavas that have fallen and then mm. kind of started to become part of the soil that is a very particular smell that just connects me right to my heart. That's Does amazing. it smell good? It smells so good. Okay. okay. It's, sweet. it's sweet and very earthy. Artemis would love it, but um, <laughs> it's, very, it's very sweet, but, but earthy and uh, floral and tropical kind of mm-hmm. all yeah. mixed together. Okay, that sounds better. At first, I was thinking you're the first person who ever said a terrible smell. Like as rot though, fruit. Remember, yeah. <laughs> all right. Well, so aside from rotting fruit in Hawaii, I would love that. Um, what's your most vivid memory of home? Well, in this moment that just popped in was uh, is actually image of sitting on the couch with my mom, with my head on her shoulder and her reading stories to me. Mm. Nice. That's beautiful. She read a lot of stories to me and now that connects in to my work with story and metaphor. So Absolutely. Thank you, mom. <laughs> Well, thank you so much um, for taking the time to share. And we're actually going to see you in now. We'll we have actually, another session yeah, with you the now, moment so we stop us. recording, we're going to do our session. So we'll see you in five Here seconds. Here we go. See you in a few minutes. Thank you so much for having me on. Thank you. And by the way, we have an amazing team and just want to say a huge thank you to all of them. We could not do this without them. Brandon Angelino. Annalie Bell. Hannah Fan, Courtney Iwanis. Wes Friend. Chris Cobain. Nicole Schachter. And Sabrina Ayakobuchi. Also, our theme music is by Victoria Shaw and Chad Carlson. And our music composed and produced by Rick Russo. Thank you so much for listening. And if you have a few seconds, don't forget to subscribe and rate. Yes, please do. Please do. And also leave comments on our social media at at home we love to hear from you ADT now professionally installs Google Nest products with their smart home security systems because ADT is awesome and believes that the smarter the home, the safer the security. I can't wait to see what they do next. They're going to put Google Nest doorbells on the moon. (laughs) Actually, I'd like to know what's happening at our front door from virtually anywhere with our Google Nest doorbell. 
I do love how when we're out at dinner, we can see exactly what's going on at the front door. And we can control our ADT smart devices like lights, locks, the security system with Google Nest speakers and displays. Mm-hmm. All you have to say is, hey, Google, to get started. Well, I think it's great for people to help protect what matters most with all of this. Plus, 24-7 professional monitoring from ADT and a little help from Google. Visit ADT.com to see how ADT can help make your home smarter and safer. Hey, Google.